Hello, and welcome to Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely deep literary merit, with your classy and sophisticated hosts, Alexandra Rowland, Freya Mosk, and Jennifer Mace. On today's episode, we are discussing Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia, the film Crimson Peak, and Imago by Astrophilite. Hello and welcome to episode 85, Girl Meets House. I didn't mean right there. You said I have a special request, Alex. I want you to do a creepy noise. And so here's me doing creepy voiceovers. <laughs> See, I was doing See, there's Freya doing that. Oh, thank you. So helpful. This is great. Darling audience. Hello, how are you? I think this is a record for how quickly the episode has gone off the rails. I'm Alex, and I am the eerie wind whistling around the eaves. I'm Freya, and I am the housekeeper's ring of keys. I'm Macy, and I am secret passageways. Wink wonk. wonk. <laughs> we are three red It's been a while since we had a vagina joke. <laughs> Uh, and today we are talking about some creepy shit. We're talking about gaslighting. We're talking about gothics, um, gothic novels and all of gargoyles. that good stuff. Gargoyles. I don't think there were any gargoyles in here. There, there was were a gargoyles lot of gaslighting. in my mind. Okay. Anyway, there's probably gargoyles like decorating at least one of the houses now that I think about it. So sure, gargoyles. Gargoyles. But before we get into all of that nonsense, dear listeners, and let's see if we can keep the rest of the episode on the rails. No. Uh, (laughs) What have we been reading, fellow serpents? Uh, So I am I'm stuck in the middle of quite a lot of books at the moment. So I haven't completed very many. I have been watching Word of Honor as it comes out with the English Mm. subs. Like a good person who enjoys delayed gratification, I suppose. I know you can pay for an account to watch her. all of the subbed episodes that have been released, but I am being, I don't know why, I've just decided that I'm going to watch three episodes per week and sulk during the rest of the time, but I'm still <laughs> thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, in terms of books, I read The View Was Exhausting by Michaela Clements and Anjali Datta. So this is a book that hasn't come out yet. I read an arc of it. It is celebrity fake dating, which is one of my very favorite you. tropes. Yes. Yes. So the main character of this book is called Win, and she is a Hollywood actress who over the years has had an on again, off again professional relationship with her friend Leo, where whenever she needs to change her public image or recover from a PR mistake, they will <laughs> pretend to be madly in love and have very staged, very carefully managed photos taken of them or give little interviews where they are desperately in love. And it begins when <laughs> she needs them to be desperately in love in the public eye for a while. And of course, over the course of the book, they fall in love. This is of very course. tropey, but it's also quite complicated. Like n- neither of them are particularly like warm and fuzzy people. They're very complex. They have complicated relationships with their families, with their fame, with each other. Mm. And it goes in directions and paces the beats in a way that I didn't expect. So I found it mm. very surprising for something where I thought I knew most of the tropes and beats that mm. it would hit, uh, which was really enjoyable. I liked being surprised by it. It's beautifully written. It's really hot. It's all about 
these you know incredible fancy parties and things but it's also very cynical about how stage managed fame is and how certain types of people have to work twice as hard to be considered seriously so i really recommend that have a look for it pre-order it and i also read the first volume of the graphic novel die by kieran gillen and stephanie hands So I really liked Kieran Gillen's work in The Young Avengers when he did a run of the comics there. I haven't read The Wicked and the Divine, which is the one that he just finished up. But this is a very interesting, very gamer nerd kind of series. Hmm. It's extremely dark. So the premise is... (laughs) With a name like Die. Die, yes. Well, the premise is a group of 16-year-olds get together on one of the main character's birthday to play a Dungeons & Dragons game that his best friend has created for him as a birthday gift. Uh, They all get transported into the magical realm and reappear again two years later as, like, deeply traumatized young people uh, who cannot speak completely fucked up who who cannot speak a word about what happened in the game and one of them got left behind inside the game and then the narrative picks up again when they're in their mid 40s uh all having like been changed and scarred and had their lives shaped by what happened which you don't know about uh and the main character gets sent or comes across the 20-sided die that was his missing friends and they all get transported back there to discover that that friend has stayed in the game, defeated the game master, and become basically the big bad. And it's said, now you all can't leave until you finish the game. It is dark as hell. It is incredibly fucked up. But (laughs) Kieran Gillen writes people and emotions and relationships very well. So if you are Mm. at all into that kind of thing, I think you would enjoy it. It's got gender feelings. It's got game mechanics feelings. It's really good. So I've definitely put a reserve on the next two volumes from my library. Hmm. Alex, I think you'd like this one. Nice. That does sound cool. Macy? Meanwhile, Macy has read at least one book. I love how Freya's like, oh, I read so little. I've been so stuck. There's 40 books that I read. I read a book and a graphic novel. That's like nothing. (laughs) Oh, Freya, we love you anyway. Um, we do. Macy, in the meanwhile, has read Dread Nation by Justina Ireland, which is period civil war and like reconstruction era zombies mm. um, in a super fucked up post-civil war uh, situation where zombies rose in the middle and the US Congress decided to... I mean, I guess they'd repealed slavery, but then immediately turned around and said, you know, all black boys and girls and indigenous boys and girls have to go to these schools to train to fight zombies and then Mm. go out and be part of these bands to basically fight zombies until they're dead. Because that's better than before? Mm, Question mark. Yeah. (laughs) And so um, Justina Ireland has this uh, really interesting protagonist who uh, it deals a lot with like passing and who looks black and who gets to pass as white in the later half of the book. And that was a really interesting perspective. And there is a lot of stabbing zombies, um, Mm. which is the correct use of a zombie, I feel, Mm. in general. And I also read a couple of novel length fics uh, called Don't Look Back is the series title by Acute Neurosis. 
in which I guess the Star Wars fandom is having a resurgence where they got bored of sending Luke or Obi-Wan or Anakin back in time and Mm. are now sending Leia back in time because girls get to time travel too. Nice. And so this one is full of politics and refugee bureaucracy. Mm. Very good. Uh, I am still not capable of reading books lately and I uh so like I've been quite boring um as you know dear listeners I uh made a new year's resolution that I'm teaching myself Chinese this year Mm -hmm. and so I have been watching a lot of um educational YouTube videos about um the Chinese language and grammar and so forth uh my favorite one of those is uh Shuo Shuo Chinese uh she is extremely good and um has a lot of really interesting lessons um and also continuing the theme of becoming like just the most boring person in the entire world i started reading a book called trading for a living psychology trading tactics and money management which is about the stock market and i do apologize for my entire situation and i want to assure you that i do in fact find myself as exasperating and insufferable as everyone else around me does um however to make up for it i have also been writing a lot of writing a lot of untamed fanfic uh and beta reading a couple like almost novel or novella length uh untamed fics that are going to be coming out pretty soon yes macy you have a question yes well maybe a request i don't know if it's a request or an anti-request but all right meng yao stockbroker oh god um i don't i don't know that i know enough about the stock market yet to write that well but sure (laughs) the thing is does why not well, does anybody? You that's could probably true. just make, um, use fifty percent what you know. Fifty percent. You just have to watch American Psycho. I have never seen that movie. I'm Is not that interested the one with stock in stock markets. I think. So, oh, well, I like have no idea. Bankers or stock traders it's or just something. Too many boys know. in it for me. Yeah. Anyway, she, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem that I have when I think about it. I'm like, no, I'm not interested in that. Ew, God, no. Anyway, you mentioned uh, Meng Yao. Productive for you to do with all your stock knowledge, Alex. Right. Right, you mentioned Meng Yao, and I've been writing a lot of uh, Meng Yao in my my Untamed fic, and one of the tentpoles that we have today features him, my dimple son. My precious dimple son. I'm very excited, my precious, precious dimple son, and I'm so excited about getting to talk about this, so let's start the episode so we can rush to that. Yes. So we have another temple to discuss before that one. And before I move into introducing it, um, I think it is worth leading with some early content warnings for this Mm -hmm. episode. Yes, because this is the Gothics episode. This is the Gothics Gothics. episode. All of these tentpoles and our discussion are going to feature mentions of quite a lot of bloody violence, gore, Uh the occasional touch of cannibalism, and quite a bit Mm -hmm. of incest because this is the Gothic genre. And for reasons that we will get into later in the discussion, that is quite prominent in this genre. Yeah. So, so yeah. if that's something that you're not comfortable with, that's totally okay. You may want to skip this episode. Yes. yes. We want absolutely. you to protect yourselves. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So the first uh, tentpole is... Tentpole, speaking of... I had, been, I had been hearing so much about this movie, about how good it is, but I don't really like horror movies. So I was very excited to actually get to watch this because it turned out great. Yes. T- Freya, tell us about this. I had never seen this one either. I remember having seen the trailer and gone, oh, this looks beautiful. I love all the actors. Mm-hmm. I don't oh, like Guillermo horror movies, so I'm going to have to avoid it. And this is Guillermo del Toro's film Crimson Peak. Which is it's a lot. Absolutely sterling example of the genre. It has yes. Everything. Oh yes. <laughs> but the basic premise is that, as the title of this episode would suggest, a young innocent girl goes to a dark, creepy house, 
And in this case, <laughs> the young innocent girl is Edith, who, after the death of her father, marries a young man called Thomas, who is a baronet, and gets taken away from America. This is just at the turn of the century, so it's set in 1901, and taken away from America to his distant and isolated estate called Allendale Hall, where he lives with his sister, Lucille, and the house is enormous and dark and crumbling and full of secrets, and impressively, the name for the place where they live is Crimson Peak, because of the red ore that is in it and the red ground that is like stirred up and there's a lot of very good red imagery in this like yeah. it's so unsubtle oversaturated oversaturated yeah. and it looks like it looks like blurred seeping up from the yeah. ground it's very creepy and of course I mean, Guillermo has, has um certain opinions about the degree to which it snows in England yes well it was atmospheric <laughs> it was, so it, I think that we can cut so into some atmospheric. slack on that one everything about uh. this movie is for the aesthetic basically yeah, that's yeah. so of course exactly. Edith goes the to this house nightgowns. and just starts to discover that of course Thomas has a dark past and the house yep. is full of secrets and also ghosts yep. and things get more complicated from there moths moths lots of insects I think it's quite a gothic yep. thing like there was a very strong theme of dead and dying insects mm-hmm. that ran through this all the way from the very beginning where we get the first hint of Lucille's creepiness where she's like creepily fondling dying butterflies and feeding them to ants. <laughs> and then you've got like dead flies and then there's moths uh, everywhere. It's just, again, so aesthetic. Like an extremely <laughs> yeah. graphic 30 seconds in which you watch a raft of, uh, uh, a raft of ants like piercing a butterfly's eyeball. It's very disturbing. Yeah, very disturbing. <laughs> it's like Here's super, the thing. super zoomed in. It's like, did you CGI this? Please fucking tell me you CGI'd this. <laughs> here's, here's the thing I'll tell you about this movie is that you can tell that the two lead actresses are just having a hell of a oh, time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They are just having a hell of a good time swooping, swooping around the sets in these billowing nightgowns being yep. dramatic. Yep. Here's the other thing I will say for this movie. Puffed sleeves often look really ugly in films, and they look actually really good in this one, so I don't know how they did that. That's my takeaway. I think it's it's just that, like, Mia Wasikowska, there's something about her ability Mm. to Mm. wear that kind of outfit. Like, you see it again in Mm. Tim Burton's Alice Alice movies. Yeah. There's just something about her that balances them. She Mm. wears the Mm. hell out of every costume in this film. Right. Yes. And there was something that I want to get to that the boy whose name I will not remember because I'm useless says early, I think. It's the same as the actor. Was it Thomas? Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Nobody gave a fuck I was just like, oh, look, it's Baronet Tom Hiddleston. That's all you need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Um, I will confess I am a bad Brit until like the age of 20 or so. I fully believed that Baronet was like a feminine title only. Anyway, Mm. it says et on the end. Sure. It's how that... Anyway... There's a thesis statement, Macy. Yes. Get back on track. It's a patch, all that you need to succeed, basically. The statement is, is a patch of land and the will to make it yield. And mm. that sense of pitting yourself against a house or the land or something that is static and much bigger than you is so intrinsically gothic to me. Mm. You know? Mm. And Thomas is saying, this, uh, I can't remember if it was him or Eden's father, But because they are trying to make the ore, the red ore of their land, profitable. Mm. And they're failing. Because of course they're failing. You can't have a successful Gothic manor 
what would that be? Mm. If that's right, the to whole crumble. Po- and the whole point of the juxtaposition between him and his sister is that Thomas is trying to look to the future. He is trying to build mm-hmm. something. He's trying to say, look, here's a machine. You know, let's, we've got the Industrial Revolution. I'm trying to make a future for us. That's and a the conga whole point- wheel of buckets. <laughs> With some wheel of buckets, not yes. not the most impressive uh, And Lucille is stuck in the past. And this is the whole thing with her. In And again, this is another thesis statement, which is mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. a piece of dialogue from the very, very beginning, because, of course, Edith is a writer. Uh, <laughs> and what she says when someone is critiquing her book, she says, the ghost is just a metaphor for the past, which is so mm. gothic. Like, that is just, you could yep. put that up and that is what gothics are about. Yep. And yes. it is, I think, a signposted from the word go that Lucille is going to become a ghost because she is the past. And Mm. what you were saying about puffy sleeves and things, like, so Lucille is dressed mid-Victorian. She has a bustle. Mm. She has, like, very tight sleeves. Um, Whereas Edith is, like, end of Victorian, starting to move into Edwardian sort of Gilded Age stuff where she has those Mm. really big sleeves. Um, But even when she's not wearing the big mutton chop sleeves, which is sort of end of Victorian era, she's very sort of top-heavy blouses, like a lot of those like very mm-hmm. things that are designed to make you look like you have a lot of chest, even though you don't, and that's super Edwardian. And she has the hair roll. The yes. yes. Yeah, and her, she has a lot of volume to her hair, which is an Edwardian The Gibson thing. girl hair. Uh, whereas yeah. Lucille's is very sort of braided and tight, and there's less, like it, it looks right. like there's less hair until it is unbound, which is very sort of, yeah, mid-Victorian. So that's my little like fashion corner about how the, <laughs> the character good. designs uh, you know, really reinforce the fact that Lucille is the past, the ghost, the thing that is holding them back. Well, and also, I mean, it comes back to your chosen gothic item, Freya. Yes. Which is... <laughs> yes. Tell us why the keys? Why, why is that keys? your favourite? I think there is always a housekeeper in a gothic and like you think <laughs> yeah. back to like the quintessential gothic novel um that has like the secrets the girl meets house the hidden doors um jane eyre yep jane eyre. and there is always a housekeeper she doesn't have to be sinister but she is always complicit mm-hmm. in hiding yeah. the secret and the yep. symbol of that complicity is her keys is because keys. she holds yeah. physically the keys to the hidden rooms the hidden heart of the house what is the rotten or mad or mysterious thing that is trapped in this house it's quite literally a symbol of control Mm. and the control that the protagonist does not have right because she doesn't possess the keys even though she is like the lady of the house she should rightfully have the keys there's always someone giving her a reason for her not to have the keys Mm. Mm -hmm. and lucille has this interesting role in this because she is the the housekeeper slash the house like she says i have been holding Mm -hmm. these walls together like she is the house but she is also the monster and she yeah. is mm-hmm. also on one level the mad wife yes. because of the yeah, incestuous relationship. So. so she has like a big, she's doing a few, a few different things at once in this particular one. <sighs> yeah. She it was really just, is. Yeah. And I was thinking there was a bunch of, I mean, you were saying this as well, um, Freya, there's a bunch of missed opportunities in a sense. And I was thinking as you were talking about keys, about there were these vats of ominous red liquid yes. in the basement that at one point we knock the cover off and a skeleton slowly floats into view, yes. menaces An one, entire and skeleton quietly floats away again. And we was never mentioned again and never does anything to anyone at any point. It's just there. Well, I think for me the implication what? was that all of the bodies of, of the, the previous victims. wives had been submerged and that's why all the ghosts are red. And that's why when Lucille mm. is a ghost at the end, she is black. 
She is the yeah. only one who is not red. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. But Very I'm interesting. Like, you, can't, you can't just give me a skeleton and then have none of the characters even notice it. Well, I think, yeah. I think it's, it was there just for the audience to say, this, off, is, <laughs> this is where all the, bodies are. all the bodies are yeah, literally yeah. being submerged in the crimson ore. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. But it's true. Like, I would have, like, I was expecting and to see somebody, like, get drowned in the ore at some point. Right? Yes, 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 yes. Like, the doctor guy. Like, he could have died in the ore. Right. Um, but it's also kind of like, like, they got submerged in this bloody red blood-looking stuff. And then, like, the body floats up as the house is also sinking. Like, the house itself is being submerged. And, like, the gore is, like, oozing up through the ground. Like, <laughs> through the secrets coming to, through the, the floorboards. Amazing. To sort of symbolize that, like, even if you drown things and, like, squish them down, like, all of these secrets and poisons are always going to, like, leak out eventually and come to light. Yeah. It was really interesting because, for me, like, there's a huge parts of Australia that are built that are red dirt. So, right, for me, yeah. red dirt is, like works very normal like there's yeah. whole, like hills yeah. there's a hill called red hill in canberra that i used to live on basically which has like you scrape the surface it's bright orange and yeah. they're like Ooh, this is so creepy in Georgia Ooh, that are like i'm that. like no that's pretty normal <laughs> well to be fair like it's not that color red like, no it's, it's, it's reddish like, but it's not like this red. is blood <laughs> yeah it's also yeah, yeah, very yeah. funny to me as as i started watching this and they're talking about the crimson ore and i'm sitting there with the first paragraphs of my own gothic novella being like the red clay of the moors and it's mm. like mm, oh, i did oh, copy crimson peak no yeah, you did literally didn't. what it's like right you did yorkshire absolutely absolutely and the thing about gothic novels is and like oh. got the gothic genre is that you have to know your tropes so so mm. well and mm. so many of them share so many tropes right. which is my transition to our second tentpole if i may oh Yee. No, Freya I to, has a fun thing to oh, say I about to weapons. Say, oh, I want to say yes. one more thing before we moved on, and this okay. is related to the fact that Macy is transparently using this as an like advice slash idea generating <laughs> exercise <laughs> for her current gothic. So got exactly what you said about trope awareness, Alex. I think yeah. at this point we come into gothics super aware, hyper aware mm -hmm. of tropes. We are mm -hmm. always mm -hmm. looking mm -hmm. out for the significance of a symbol. And for yes. me, there were a lot of missed opportunities, missed like um. Not Schrodinger's. Wait, why did I write Schrodinger's violent deaths? I did not mean that. You mean Chekhov's. I mean, mean Chekhov's. I mean, did yeah. I just give you weapons. a word, Freya? I did. Yeah, I did. just said Chekhov's skeletons. <laughs> Chekhov's skeletons. Well, it was more, there were a lot of Chekhov's possible violent deaths around. Oh, yeah. Like there's yeah. a scene when Edith walks in, she first sits down in the house and pulls a really long hairpin out. Oh and yeah, then sets it down, and I was like, I "Someone's someone going to get, get stabbed, stabbed with a hairpin." <laughs> and like every time you saw like the machinery of the ore mining machine, yes! someone's going to die in standing that? there yep. with his cravat, Lucille with her hair loose. I'm like, someone is going to get choked and murderated yep. by that machine. Yes. And then I was yes. slightly disappointed that it didn't happen. Like I, I didn't want to see it. I'm not a very horror slash gore right, right. fan, but at the same time, I would have found it narratively satisfying if someone had been. Yes chomp murderated to death yeah. by that machine it would have by been the very... symbol of the future by the yes. symbol of the yeah. future Ooh, that's so... good this is some like good analysis that we're <laughs> so doing I'm here saying, today folks i'm impressed so so if just you want, want to... more people to die horribly there needed to be servants so we could have more deaths sure sure yeah but i'm saying what's one thing that i like to look out for in gothics is the early introduction and it can be quite unsubtle of yeah. some symbolic some symbols that will tell you how people are going to die horribly later yes. on yes 
Yeah. Very good. Anyway. We love those. Alex, love take those. us to our next temple. No, Macy's. Trope awareness. Oh, sorry, well, Macy's I was doing the transition. Okay, Listen, it is. T- okay, I was told that I get to hold the reins of this episode because you guys were going to go like just ape shit on this. We so I was taking we the responsibility onto myself okay. to do the transition Trope. instead of Macy. Be all, be all adult. Trope all awareness, Macy. Adult. Tell us about trope awareness. Tell us about this fanfic. I was fanfic. going to tell you about Girl Meets House. Yes, an, a young innocent <laughs> Meng Yao. <laughs> an, an innocent young dimple son must be in want of a patron. Sure. So this fic is Imago by Astrophilite, and it is a gothic novella, basically, with yes. a lot of sex in it, in the back end, so to speak. Okay. Um, Thank but- you, <laughs> Thank you for You're that, Macy. Welcome. Sincerely, thank you. <laughs> So um, this is a Nicest gothic in which a young Meng Yao, after he's been kicked down the stairs, okay, Macy, start again from the top. This is an untamed fanfic mm-hmm. about the character Meng Yao, who the three of us will proceed to unhelpfully refer to as our dimple son dimple from son. forth. Yes. In the actual canon, Meng Yao is the ultimate villain. We love him. Despite this fact, possibly because of it, Alex is making a face because Alex <laughs> believes that the true villain was circumstances and Meng Yao doesn't deserve any of this. That's exactly what I believe. Thank you. <laughs> the true villain was like class prejudice, Macy. Come on. <laughs> the fact remains that in canon, Meng Yao does a lot of fucked up shit, including some accidental incest and then killing his child, which is exactly what the villain of the previous film did. Although less accidental, I feel, on their part. Yes. Anyway, this is a delightful fic about a young ingenue who comes to a creepy, mysterious house because she has nowhere else to go and tries to find herself a place as the secretary of the Lord of the Manor. Except that it's gender-fucked because it's Meng Yao and Meng Yao is a dude. Um, And it is delightfully... I don't even know if I can say, like alignment fucked but like this ingenue is no innocent Mm -hmm. this ingenue is peak slytherin manipulator and is very carefully negotiating a web of debts and allegiances and secrets in a very canny way which does not help him in the slightest in the long run because concealed behind a secret passage behind a locked door Fed by girls in blindfolds. Once <laughs> it's a day. very good. It's very good. <laughs> it's a very good pick. Lies the secret of the unclean realm, which is that the brother of the current lord of the manor, Ni Huai Sang, is actually a demon and has been living there ever since he was born and then ate the body of his mother. So here's the cool thing. We mentioned about the previous <laughs> tentpole about how Lucille was the mad wife in the attic and also the housekeeper and also whatever the third thing was. The monster. Um, the monster, yes. yes the monster. And so and and so in this fic is very cool because Nihai Sang is the ghost and the mad wife in the attic um, at the same time, which... It, yes. And the brother. And the... And the brother, yes. Yeah, yeah, like all of these, all of these like like <laughs> secondary characters are just like pulling yeah. a lot of weight. And it's an absolutely mm. perfect setup because the whole yeah. point of Ni Hwasang in 
uh, in canon is that he is right. an ingenue who is more conniving than he seems, mm-hmm, uh, yes. as is Meng Yao. And that, and that mirroring works really, really well in this one because you have this conniving ingenue trying to worm his way in and what he thinks he is doing is embedding himself in this yep. house as vital. And he's like, I will become the heart of this. I will become the spider in this web. And he does not actually <laughs> notice until it's too late that there is already a spider at the heart of this web and he is getting stuck. Mm-hmm. And that's why the, the title of this fic is also an insect metaphor, which works very, very well. Is it? Yeah. Explain. And, and, and Imago is a stage in uh, Metamorphosis. It's the final stage before the birth of the final um, form of the insect. It was really, really cool how well all three of these tentpoles kind of fit together because, like, as we were saying with the, the, the Ring of Keys, like, the locked doors are always so, so important because they're about control and they're about, like, there's always this, in every gothic novel, there's always someone who says, like, oh, there's places in this house that you're not allowed to go to, right? It's like yes. that Bluebeard thing where, mm, yeah. like, you're explicitly told, like, you don't get to go here. And mm-hmm. it is... Like, what is hidden behind that door is always, like, essential to the plot. Yes, Macy? This maps back to canon and the knee uh, sword tombs. Yes, that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hui Sang drops the key in the in front of the protagonists like a lure. And mm-hmm. is like, I don't know. I know nothing. I really couldn't say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that... Um, the knee sect are also a very good choice to make this yes, happen because they're yes. already quite gothic just to begin yeah, with. Yeah. yeah, they're all doomed and like tragically doomed to die horribly. Yeah, and, and very gothic. Very, very gothic of them. They're so valid. And um, they're haunted by their past and they celebrate uh-huh. their past while also locking it up. Yep, and yep, 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 yep. yes, and like they're making choices about like the cultivation that they do is damaging to them and is like hastening their death and. Yeah. And a thing that I really, really enjoyed um, was, so the monster that is Ni Hui Sang uh, looks like a human most of the time, mm. but manages, he stays looking like a human because he fucks his brother enough that his body remembers what it is to be human. Yeah. Uh, Freya is making a horrid face at me. What? <laughs> it's true. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Face that that wasn't like it, a though. disapproving face. That was a like, yep, this is a fucked up fic and it knows what it's doing. Yeah. But, 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 but... After the first time when Ni Hoi Sang murders a woman and eats her, the housekeeper, I will note, together with Meng Yao, and then fucks Meng Yao until he's human again, he starts to look like Meng Yao and has thus laid a claim and has almost retrofitted incest. Yeah, a little bit. He like backdates it. He's like, I'm your brother too now. And there's a lot of that kind of calling each other brother and wife simultaneously yeah. in this. Yeah. So it's and like, it's fucked. And it's just, it's very much there's this sense of being chosen, which works really yeah. well with Meng Yao's character because the whole point of him is that he's looking for yes. a place to belong. Mm-hmm. And he and the reason he gets trapped and the reason he gets seduced by the house and the monster in the house is because mm-hmm. he is offered a specialness. Like very, yes. nobody else can look at Ni Hwasang without Hwasang getting burned or hurt by their gaze. Right. But he is the only person other than his brother who can look upon him. And so there's this sense of like, I have been singled out. I am special. I am going to be loved. And that's what leads him to quite rashly make a, a vow of allegiance 
almost to a vow of loyalty. Yes. Then he gets trapped. Yes, and, and then, then he gets trapped. trapped. I was anyone else having big Hero Scamos feelings about this? Because I was. <laughs> I mean, I don't you think mer- that the country matters much in well, this one. Well, no, but hear me out, because by tying himself to the monster in this quote-unquote marriage, right, by by marrying the monster, Meng Yao is marrying himself to the land. He physically can't leave without oh, yeah. being ill. Um, anyway, shall we continue? Yes, yes, we shall continue. The next one, which was very interesting, because the ingenue is not the trapped married family member quite. Mm. Quite, yes. Um, so, so this book is Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia, um, which was published last year? 2020, yes, last year. Um, what is time? What is time, even? Um, this is really, really good because it takes the gothic genre and does it perfectly, by the way. Does it absolutely beat for beat perfectly. in Fucky a mushrooms. Fucky mushrooms. In a <laughs> setting Spoilers. and time period... <laughs> In a setting and time period that is um, non-traditional for for gothics, sure. um, which is in uh, 1950 in Mexico, uh, and uh, the main character is a young innocent ingenue, except she's not quite innocent either because like she's quite um, she's a socialite. She's a socialite, and she's very aware. She, I wouldn't quite call her conniving, but she's very cunning and clever, and she knows what she wants. And I, I really just like appreciated the complexity of her character. So yeah. she gets, uh, uh, she gets called home from a party one night uh, because her father has gotten a letter from her cousin, uh, and he is like, "I'm concerned about your cousin. I this letter is very troubling. Uh, she was just married recently, and I think that her husband might be mistreating her. You have to go make sure that she's okay." Uh, and so. Uh, Noemi, uh, the protagonist, goes to visit the cousin and promptly discovers that the house is creepy and that <laughs> the new family that her cousin has married into is kind of weird and fucked up and um, strange and overly strict, has a lot of rules for the house, and gradually kinds of, kind of discovers just how fucked up the family really is. Uh, and I don't want to spoil it too much for you because the twists yep. are extremely good but i will say mushrooms <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite thing that this book does is that it takes a very specific thing that gothics do yeah. which is that the girl coming to the house is usually removed or unsuitable in some way and it's usually class so mm-hmm. it's usually she has married into nobility or she is the governess or there is mm-hmm. something about her that is doesn't fit or unfamiliar there's There's a power difference yeah power difference and so when she gets to the house all these things like the rules the weirdness the creepiness that could be normal she doesn't know because this is a different social sphere this adds race yep into Mm. that and says here is another reason that this person is quote unquote unsuitable for the family Mm. and a threat to the family uh, but th- at the same time, like, this is a family that is very different to Nomi's experience and to the people that she lives with and that she knows. And so that really feeds into her uncertainty and the gaslighting in the first half of the book. Yes. Because she doesn't know, is this normal? And so yeah. that builds the tension up for the reader, for her. Like, is something supernatural happening? Are these people just really weird? Is my cousin <laughs> mentally ill? Mm-hmm. Like, what is mm-hmm. the secret here? Is there a secret? 
And that builds so well. I think, Alex, you were talking before we started the episode about how effective you found the gaslighting oh in the narrative. Oh my God, the gaslighting was just like so, so effective because I felt like it was happening to me personally. Like mm-hmm. I have been in, in relationships with people who were gaslighting me before and it sucks. Um, and also recently I've been talking a lot in therapy about boundaries and like how <laughs> how do you do a boundary? And so like as I was reading this book, usually I I don't quite have this experience where I am trying to actively problem solve for the protagonist. Mm -hmm. Usually I just sort of like let them problem solve on their own and like watch them do it. Uh, But with this, because it was like striking me so personally in this like fight, fight or flight response, I kept trying to be like, okay, what would I do in this situation? How would I handle these people gaslighting me in this way and trying to take control and agency away from me and what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And yeah. it very much does feel like a, a no-win situation where um, you're just trying to have Survive. any kind of identity. Like your whole identity kind of gets subsumed yeah. into this context. And I think it was very, um, very well done how trapped Noemi is yes. by the fact that her cousin is there. Right. So she can't run away. She can't just run away. She thinks about doing so several times earlier on. And you as the reader are going... This is the last chance. Like, you just gotta go. Just go, just go. Right. You can't because your cousin is still going to be left behind. Right. Like, every time I was like, just set the house on fire. Just like, you have have so many candles. They gave you candles. They gave you matches. They gave you oil lamps. Just like, smash a window, climb out on some bed sheets, set the house on fire. Except she can't because she has to save her Mm. cousin. Yeah, and that, that, that does make it a very unusual gothic setup because usually... An ingenue is held in the house by love mm, and right, prevented right. from leaving by isolation. Yeah. So she doesn't have anything that she can escape to, but Noemi does. But I think it's also almost as if this is uh, the gothic, really, the gothic heroine, the ingenue, is the cousin. Yes. Mm. Who, who yes. didn't quite manage to finish her story and used the phone a friend option. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep, she's like, come in and do the second half of my narrative for me. I'm stuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I found it quite interesting in this one as well that the root of the wealth and part of the dark secret is wrapped up in mining. Mm-hmm. So this family oh, yes. is a silver mine. The earth, yes. And the earth. And again, this is, it's so gothic, this idea of the wealth and the past is all buried. But it's, it's all also, about it's what not you draw up from it's... the dark. It's not just that it's a silver mine, it's also the parts, the, the evil, the present evil is very much the eugenics of the patriarch of the family and the colonialist history in which they exploited the local workers and had mm. them, loads of them, die of a horrific plague, not even be buried with respect. And that that is kind of their comeuppance, right? That is their great evil is almost a microcosm of what it is the that Europeans, white Europeans, did mm. to that land overall. Mm. is just being played out again in this small Gothic manner. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, and that idea of, of eugenics and who's suitable and who can be allowed into the bloodline. Mm-hmm. To this and yes, secret of immortality. At the beginning of the episode, what Mexican Gothic does as part of this weird eugenics-ish thing is it reveals that there has been incest going on so for generations generations Generations, and it's this really and i think the reason why incest keeps showing up again and again in gothic so taking the discussion a bit more general now is it's this yes because that was the question that i put (laughs) yeah it's this fixation why why is why incest it's this fixation on the past and unchanging 
Like you keep the, that the family stays in the manner where we have been for generations. The bloodlines remain the way that they have been for generations. And Ingenue coming in is always a disruption mm. because especially in a romantic sense, she is a potential threat to the bloodline. It's this idea again of the past being static and a resistance to moving forward. That's my theory. I'm not even, I'm not sure that it's always that though. Or rather, I think that it very much depends. Yeah. I think that there is also a big piece here about Gothic as isolation. Mm. And in the way that an abuser isolates you from the rest of the world is saying, you are the one that I love and we love only each other and there is no one else who understands mm -hmm. us. And here is this big secret that means you can never talk to anybody else about this and thus never escape. And so the whole thing about particularly sibling incest um, that we see with Lucille and Thomas, I think in a big way, uh, less so maybe with the Nee brothers, but I'm not convinced it's not present because one of the things Nee Hui Sang demands of Nee Ming Ju is you will not have other people like you have me because you get to have the whole world. This one thing is mine. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so there's this sense of... Um, no one else understands us. Everyone in the world is against us. We have to stick together. And, mm, and, and I have a third perspective. Alex is making I have a third perspective on it, actually, which is that for me, the gothic genre, like the big theme of that is that not everything is as it seems. Because you go into mm. this house and like they show you a facade and they give you a fake smile and they tell you that there's rules and there's reasons that we have the rules. And they tell you that, oh, the screams that woke you up last night. Oh, that was just the wind whistling around the eaves, darling. No need to worry about that. <laughs> it was that. probably the dog you, scrabbling at your you door. You probably imagined it anyway. Right. And so like like everything that you see and lay, lay eyes on is in some way a lie. And so this relationship that you see, especially with sibling incest, like you look at them and you're like, oh, they're so close. They're they're what loving siblings they are. But even that is not as it seems because there's something hidden underneath. Hmm. And in Crimson Peak, it's all tangled up with some really baked in misogyny, but also like the limitations of female power at the yeah. time that Lucille is exerting control on her brother because he is the only thing she has. He is the only yeah. way via which she can experience the world or exert control on the world. And she is the one who mm -hmm. is, in the end, considered to be the more villainous. She's, you know, got the very dubious backstory of, oh, she belongs in an asylum. She's actually mm. mad. She has got her claws into this, into her brother, who, you know, when he meets this beautiful ingenue, is going to try and break free. You know, Edith says, you are suffocating him. Like, she's very much posed as sort of like, yeah, there's incest there, but it's not really his fault. Mm. Which right, is, it's just like, what the fuck? Mm, yeah. Ah, uh, she seduced him. He was younger than her. She murdered her mother. Well, neither of the men in this film has a lot of agency. Well, we are meant to see them as not, but honestly, societally and well, power-wise, he really, really does. Well, that's yeah, true, that's though. true. You know, yeah. Yeah. he's just failing to wield it, but he absolutely has all of the power. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the gothic romance is about the redemption of the man. Like Jane Eyre is about a man who did yeah. a really shitty thing and then did another several, really shitty several thing. Really several shitty really things. shitty things to women. But Mr. at the Rochester. same time, the villain slash danger is the mad wife. Is the and wife. he gets yep. redeemed in the end by the love of a good woman. Like, it's extremely Christian, that entire thing. But yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that's something that does run through the traditional Gothic narrative, is this idea of redemption through innocence, but only for men. Mm. 
But I want to pull us back to the thing that you were saying about the balance of power um, with Lucille being unable to interact with the world in the same way and pull us over to talk briefly about Under the Pendulum Sun. Oh, yes. Mm. By Jeanette Ng. Have both of you read that one? Yes, Yes, by Jeanette Ng. I bought it and I started reading it a long time ago and then I think I got distracted by podcast homework. We've been doing this. We've been doing this podcast for a long time, guys. A very, very, very beautiful book. Um, It is very, very gothic about a pair of missionary siblings who go on a quest to convert fairyland to Christianity. And so it's this twist on the gothic. And I'm going to give us some spoilers for Under the Pendulum Sun, probably, because I don't think there's any way to discuss this part without doing so. Mm. So, darling listeners, skip the next minute if you want to go in unspoiled, which you probably do. Um, We will ask our scribes to put a tag that tells you how long to skip. (laughs) But we find out late in Under the Pendulum Sun that the main character and her brother were in an incestuous relationship. Um, and that she loves him more than anything. And then there's a twist where, but maybe she's a changeling, so it's all right? That they are Schrodinger's incest. <laughs> yes, That is right. a correct use of Schrodinger. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like never entirely pinned down, yeah, I want to say, whether or not clear. she's a changeling. Mm. And it's bizarre because it really makes you take a look at the moral assumptions. It's super It's like, oh, well, if she's a changeling, which is considered to be weird and fucked up and things, then their relationship is fine, question mark. Like, <laughs> but if, if she's not a changeling, then she's, you know, in a relationship with her brother. It's very, like, it really weaves that into this whole idea of the magic and the otherworldliness. It's very good. Yeah. But it also, like, the one of the only options or choices she has at the beginning of the book is to follow her brother's quest. Mm. And mm. it makes me think of kind of Sinjin in the end of Jane Eyre proposing to Jane Eyre and saying, come with me, be a missionary, travel the world, undertone being it's the only way you'll ever get to. Right. Yeah. And Sinjin. Because you need a man. Sinjin, interestingly enough, thinks of Jane more as a sister than a wife. In yep. Jane Eyre, he's very, very much very like fun. it's very, very heavily implied that like he, he doesn't refuses to marry the person he loves. Yes, because because that's you know temptation. He wants to marry Jane <laughs> because he sees her as a helpmeet and because practical, he doesn't love her. and she's best friends with his sisters, <laughs> and he sees her basically as a sister and has no romantic <laughs> feelings for her at all. Uh, uh, it's, it's so it's so funny that you can go like your whole life reading so much sci-fi and fantasy and like every other genre of book and pretty much never come across incest except for like once in a while in game of thrones and then like you come to gothic romances and it's fucking every you can't swing a cat without hitting a brother and sister who are fucking um anyway uh, but speaking, speaking of, of tropes, tropes of let's do some more I, that I, we have had an entire fucking episode on i would love past. for you and freya to tell me your thoughts about gothic manners because both of you have very large thoughts about houses I love them. you love, I love them. them freya loves them everybody should pre-order a marvelous light <laughs> yep Yep, Freya has some great magical houses. Not yep. very gothic. Not gothic. Houses, no, there's the, the one thing that is gothic about. Let me think. No, there is something gothic about both of the magical houses. Murderous hedgemaze. Murderous hedgemaze. Well, the the one that is the beautiful one with all the wallpaper has a fragile woman <laughs> shut in a room where she can't escape. That's true. True. Uh, true. Like, true. True. She, like she's true. like um, Edwin's mother. Um, basically, never leaves the house and is a symbol of the house, and it's beautiful, but also 
he does he feels uncomfortable there. So it's a kind of his right, relationship right, right, right. to his own house is kind of gothic. And then you hit because you have to have a woman in a house who is the metaphor of the house. Mm-hmm, there has mm-hmm. to be a woman who is the house. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the other house where spoilers for my own book, the woman who is the metaphor for the house dies. Uh, and Yay! the but then that the gothic thing about that house is the hidden parlor. Yes. The idea of um, family secrets and secrets well, that you can't think... go into unless you are an inner circle member. Right. And I think that's why, for me, like, it's funny. The Crimson Peaks manor is the most aesthetic nonsense of a gorgeous crumbling manor. Yeah. There's a giant hole, hole in, in the, the roof. ceiling why through there... which it snows. All, j- all the way through the ceiling to the, through the roof. You can Sir, see sky. Your architecture you can... is dangerous and you need to evacuate because need that to fix fucking your roof. thing is killing someone. You need to fix your roof. Any moment now, you're all going to die. Here's no, your, Alex's, I mean, here's your Alex's Fun Facts <laughs> Homeowners Corner. No, the hole in the roof roof. is important, and I will tell you why. The hole in the roof saves her life. True. She because it has the pile of snow. Because there's a pile of snow that when she gets kicked off the balcony, she lands on the snow. The very fact of the decrepitness of the house is why she survives. All right, all right. That's not bad. Everything in that movie is a symbol. It's amazing. That's pretty good, Freya. Everything, but that doesn't mean that all the symbols get used. Yes, but um, but like, but my point was going to be that that is in some ways a little bit less of a gothic manner than the knee mansion complex castle Mm -hmm. because there isn't the secret passage there isn't the she never has to use a key to enter a room right she uses keys she steals keys to unlock boxes and chests and just like go to the fucking kitchen and pick up an axe yeah you wimp yeah come on we've got this she does it later on she breaks a lock off i'm like you could have broken the lock off the trunk and not stolen the key off the housekeeper's keyring and gotten yourself caught and poisoned in no, your porridge the, secret, pas- you no, but the secret passage in the in crimson peak is the elevator don't go but into the basement secret. it's sinking it's dangerous yeah but it's not secret no i suppose not no, it's but not, it's it could that, be like, more so, secret. It's also, like, point of order, how are you getting seeping red clay coming up beneath your floorboards when you've got a basement? Aesthetic, Macy. Aesthetics. And maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe it doesn't cover the whole house. Sometimes, like, the basement is only in part of, under part of the house and not under uh-huh. the rest of the house. Uh-huh. Also, yeah. in but the, the point, walls, the it's like seeping basement. up through the walls as well. That was weird. Yeah. But as right. Alex mentioned before, I think part of the point of having a house is that you do have those parts that you are for, that are forbidden. And I think that's, um, you mentioned Bluebeard yeah. as a very, like, very gothic fairy tale. Um, Beauty and the Beast is the other one. Mm-hmm. You must not go mm. into the West Wing, you know, because that is where the dark secret of the past is Was hidden. East of Sun, West of Moon? Mm. Is that another one where you're not allowed to look at your spouse when they're sleeping? Yeah. It's oh, similar, uh, I think it's I, I think, think so. Eros and Psyche. It's not so much the physical place. Yeah, I think it has to be about the physical like place. Mm. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of that in the fairy tale mm. logic. I think there's just a lot of trope yeah. distillation. Yeah, uh, just this, a lot this of thing, trope distillation. And the whole fairy tale link came to mind for a couple of things. Number one, I recently read Angela Carter's book, The Bloody Chamber, which is a collection of very gothic, slightly feminist reimaginings of fairy tales, which really leans into mm-hmm, both mm-hmm. the Bluebeard one of you come to a house and discover that your husband has had plenty of other wives who have been killed, <laughs> which is what Crimson Peak is doing, and the Beauty and the Beast one. And the reason that came up is there's this thing that Thomas says to Edith in Crimson mm-hmm. Peak where he says something about, I feel that there is a connection between our hearts, like something about your soul is tied to mine. Mm-hmm. And that is Jane Eyre. 
that is the yes. the point yes. of like you know we are two souls like the re- like she goes to save him when the house crawls out because she feels it through their mystical connection beauty and the beast has the mirror where beauty and the beast are tied together this whole like mm. mystical mm-hmm. link between the girl and the monster is super gothic and it comes out of those fairy tales i think well, and it was very interesting because I just got done watching the Jane Eyre with our perfect murder wife in Freya. Oh, yeah. Um, I love that, Jane Eyre. Ruth Wilson. <laughs> Ruth Wilson. Okay. <laughs> our perfect murder wife. <laughs> our perfect murder wife. We, we will both marry. It'll be great. We'll all be friends. Ah, Ruth Wilson. Um, ah, Ruth Wilson. Anyway. And Captain uh, Flint. Sapphic, as, sapphic, as... And Captain, Captain Flint can, like, sit in a corner. It's fine. Sapphic, sapphic corner aside, um, uh, one of the things that, that adaptation does, <laughs> Alex, she's very pretty. She's I understand. She's just very pretty I, and she has a very good face. I understand. Um, one of the things that that adaptation does is frame all of that, the we have a unique connection, the I see into your soul, you see into my soul thing, as almost Rochester is grooming Jane. Mm. In that version, a lot of it, because we don't have the internal narration because it is a film, Uh, We're getting it just as lines that he's speaking to her. Things that he is telling her are true. Mm. And he is teaching her to believe a truth that is not necessarily reality. Because, again, it's a way to trap her. And that's something I wanted to ask about. Because I feel like this is one of the core themes of a gothic. Is the sense of being trapped. Yeah. Mm. Well, I want to just, and I think you're absolutely right. That's really triggered something in terms of the way I think about the that statement of of core connection because that's true. Like that, you have to feel tied to the place where you are. And Thomas is very clearly gaslighting her, her or like you know building it, building it up for Edith to say, "I am your only hope now." You know, you belong with me. We belong together. And that that's what the trap is yeah. because she literally doesn't think she has anywhere else to go, even when things start crumbling around her and then she tries to leave and oh look a lot of snow a lot of snow right that's what I was going to say it's often like they're trapped on multiple levels like there's like the psychological trapping of feeling like connected to someone or to something and then there's like the physical trapping of like you are locked in or the weather is terrible and will not let you leave and there's also the guilt and complicity the thing where um the thing where Lucille makes Thomas be the one to do the murder. She's like, you've not done this before. You always make it be me. This time you have to take care of your problems because complicity is yet another way that she can trap him. Mm -hmm. If he is guilty, he can't go to the police. He can't run away because this guilt is on him. Right, Mm. right. And yeah, everything on fire. Like, not like, you know, you're not like other girls. Yeah, elements yeah. To that trap. Uh-huh. Like it, it's in it's in Imago where you're oh you're one of the only people who can look at me without me being hurt. Of course you have to stay for me. You know Thomas pretending that he's never had any other wives that she is mm-hmm. the first one. There's very much of like you can get very isolated by this sensation that you are special. Mm-hmm. And there's one of the things in Mexican Gothic that was interesting to me is there is there is a soft science boy mm. uh, who is used to kind of gently trap like honey trap no i mean a little bit question mark um like and we find out later on that he didn't really want to be involved in this but was kind of asked to by his family um but in case the cousin wasn't enough to keep her there they also provisioned a lure for her Mm. um and you have this in the fanfic tentpole as well where ni huai sang makes meng yao swear to him right yes Mm. that he'll be and it's by by presenting himself as vulnerable 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's very manipulative. I'm just, I'm just extremely impressed with how well all three of these fit together and like how much they are all, like all of them are kind of fan fiction. It's not just like, the fanfic tentpole that is fan fiction. All three of them are fanfic because they're all in conversation with and responding to past canons. Well, I wonder if gothic is one of those genres that more than some is very much in conversation between works yeah. with one another. Yes, exactly. Because it comes from such a classic genre. Yes. <clears throat> and I'm just having a quick look here. I do, well, can I jump down to subverting? Or? I had one more thing I wanted to do in Trapped. Okay. Sorry. Oh, yep. Go ahead. Well, Because one, one of the things I think is that it's not just the victim who's trapped. Mm. Right? It's also the people. It's also the, the family. The villains are yeah, trapped. The family. The villains are trapped as well. Um, and so gothics become this kind of cycle of abuse yes. thing. Yes. That I think is super fascinating. Because there's always, like, there's always, like, the creepy parents who sometimes they're dead, sometimes they're not. But, like, the parents were terrible to us and we had a terrible childhood and we were the it's only like, ones who could, we you could... You never built your crumbling ancestral pile yourself. Yes, mm. and, like, I am having sex with my brother because we are the only ones that we ever had when we were children, etc. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is also why vampires are very gothic. Because mm. they, they mm. literally cannot leave during daylight. Like, they are tied to their coffin and their you know realm and their ancestral castle and they have to be the spider that lures the things into them yeah mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. so we have been talking so much about tropes and how well all three of these tentpoles fit the the sort of uh school of gothic the gothic genre in how they um uh, present all of their tropes what are some examples of works that maybe subvert the gothic tropes <laughs> Freya's Freya, Freya, has, Freya has basically it's just written three corner. different dot points. I don't have to. <laughs> well, number one, what you're saying about this being a genre in conversation with itself. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. The number one book that I think of is Northanger Abbey, <laughs> which is a gothic ish novel by Jane Austen, which is basically about an ingenue who is convinced that she is in the middle of a gothic because she has read she a lot of gothics. <laughs> yeah, she and wants so, it to be a gothic real she's bad. She's actually kind of in the middle of a rom com. But she really yes, thinks it's a comic. She's like, why can't what I have the, billowing was, sleeves? <laughs> what was what was the the fic where Lan Wang Ji is a novelist who is like writing these these erotic gothics? Anyway, yeah. oh, yeah, the yes. whole point is that she goes off to a house and she's like, right, there's a dark secret here somewhere. I'm sure Where's I will I'm discover sure the it. dead wife was killed by the father of the young man, <laughs> and so she goes looking for secrets and reads into things rather than wanting. Amazing! I love Northanger. I Abbey. love this it's child a great already. Book. It's so um, funny. Yeah. I have it sitting on my coffee table. I stole it from my girlfriend, and I just haven't read it yet. There's mm. a very good mini series of it as well, which is great. Oh god, yes. mini series movie? I forget. <laughs> it was funny. The movie with um, what's her name? Felicity somebody the one who's in rogue one (laughs) yes her anyway um well also there's another book that i came to my moment when i was thinking about girl coming to house books and that is Mm. the secret garden i loved the secret garden when i was a kid which is kind of like a kid gothic because it's about a girl coming to a house where there is a trapped secret who Uh is her cousin um, who is like a sick person who is in a secret room to which the housekeeper holds the keys and his existence is kept from her Yes. And the secret garden itself is kept locked up. It's shrouded. There's a key that is lost. Like it's so gothic, and it's and it's like <laughs> but, gloomy and and cold and like just mm. because she's a child, you have that aspect of the power dynamics and so forth. Yeah, yeah. But because it's a kids' book, it's about her 
bringing life into this house and opening all the locked doors mm. yeah. and mm-hmm. and having this man, her uncle, who is consumed by the past and the tragedy of his past um, and showing that actually we can you know grow things. Things can grow here. Mm. People can mm-hmm. live in the open. We can look to the future. Like it's, it's about, it's, it's a, a Gothic solved by therapy. Yeah. Yes. It's a, yeah, in which the therapy <laughs> is planting seeds in a garden, which is a lovely yes, image. Yes. Yeah. 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 Question for you two. Um, what proportion of Diana Wynne Jones DNA is gothics? Um, There's a lot of going to house and discovering secrets. I'm thinking Crestomancy. Yeah. I'm thinking Howl's Moving Castle. Howl yeah. And mm. the the one we did with the little girl who goes to the cottage. Oh yeah. Yeah, actually Howl's Moving Castle is very gothic. It's kind. It kind of <laughs> is. Girl comes it? to house. There's a secret bargain with a demon. That's like the dark secret at the heart of the house that she has to change. We need to oh. do House Moving Castle as a tentpole one of these days. I swear. Oh yeah. my gosh. Um, anyway, and the- but I have been promised a third example for <laughs> okay. final. You do need three comedy of comedy moment. Number three of subverting the uh-huh. gothic. I would like to argue that the movie Adam's Family Values <laughs> is an inside-out gothic in which a pastel-clad bright woman comes to a crumbling mansion full of creepy people and she is the villain. Yes, yes, I yes, love yes, it. yes, yes. And you are correct. correct. You have always been correct. You are valid. You, Freya oh, has you, always Freya. been correct about everything and I think that is where we should end the episode on Freya's moment of insane correctness. I, I will accept that. everybody, thanks for joining us for this episode of Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely, extremely deep literary merit. You know, this might be the most indulgent episode the other serpents have ever blessed me with, personally. Because when I came yelling into our group chat, lo, those many weeks ago, begging for their attention on gothics, you see, I suffered a minor writing crisis in early March, and ended up staunching my woes by diving headfirst into the genre. Speculative gothics fulfil a very special niche for me. They marry the imaginative world-building and magnificent variety of speculative fiction with the lush depths of indulgent imagery and sensual prose we are sometimes told there's just no space for. One must sacrifice on the altar of pacing, after all, not to mention the ever-dreaded plot. Well, the pacing of a gothic allows for that sort of linguistic, uh, tonal and atmospheric revelry, and I love it. But enough about me. We have some even more exciting topics to talk about in upcoming episodes. On the next episode, two weeks hence, on May 19th, we'll be discussing weird careers. If you want to prepare in advance, one of the tentpoles for that episode is Hench by Natalie Zena Walshots. So if you have a friend who's into stuff like that, maybe give them a heads up. In the meantime, feel free to continue the conversation with us. Questions? Comments? Breathless adulations? Contact us at serpentcast at gmail.com, at serpentcast on Twitter and Tumblr, and if you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. And by the way, I think the perfect gothic manner is out there waiting for you. 
You just need to call for it. It'll come. It knows you will be worth the anguish.